What is crack-a-lackin', fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dampa Valley coming at you with a brief solo intro before we dive into our next trade deadline primer survival guide thingamajig. We are up to the Southwest Division. A few housekeeping notes, one of which is the usual. Uh, please, if this is your first time checking us out, one, the sound quality won't always be this off. I actually don't know how it'll sound. I'm recording the intro from my phone but the rest of the podcast is high quality with grant as always two though it's your first time checking us out because you stumbled into us consider throwing us that permanent subscription ratings and reviews help us out a lot on spotify and apple podcast please subscribe to us on youtube we have two youtube channels the links are in the podcast description like comment if you're watching us on youtube um, and you won't be hearing this intro this is for the audio only uh, anything you could do to help the podcast word of mouth shout us out on twitter we really appreciate those tell people about us and if you do tell people about us let us know because that makes us feel good if you're actually taking the extra step to go and just tell people to check out this podcast join our discord if you're in our discord please bring other members into the discord to keep the conversation going and to have different types of conversations we would love to continue expanding that community um and finally the follow us on the socials we are at hardwood Knox on tiktok and youtube and twitter and then we're at hardwood underscore Knox on instagram appreciate you all as always uh the other Housekeeping note, I just want to give a quick shout out to, you know, a lot of the people at the SB Nation sites, Vox Media, going through those um, layoffs, Um, many of them friends of the podcast, you know, Caitlin Cooper, Vindy Cornrose, uh, Laz Jackson, he is a fantastic podcaster for Detroit Bad Boys, TJ McBride um, did great Nuggets coverage over there. Anthony Irwin um, did the Lakers coverage over there, and there are just many others that were impacted. I don't mean to you know shout these people out individually. They announced it on Twitter, and they're just they are you know especially you all know how much respect I have for TJ, of course, and Anthony, of course, but Caitlin Cooper and Laz have been on this podcast many times, and they've been so generous with their analysis, and they're so good at what they do, and it just it sucks. And so if you're not following those people on Twitter, um, I believe they're both bigger than I am on Twitter. So, I mean, if you're following me and not following them or any of the people that I just mentioned uh, who all have, I'm pretty sure, bigger than me, uh, go ahead and follow them. Uh, They're awesome, and it just sucks. It's just a part of the industry that really blows, and uh, we wish them all the best. And like Like I said, Caitlin Cooper is just, when you look at combination of writing, technical analysis, style, accessibility, voice, everything. Um, she is just the probably the single most talented person and versatile person in our business. And there, at least to say is that there's no one who is more um, versatile. There's no one who is better than her. And so that, you know, seeing her announcement was really just gutting in the sense of for her because she's awesome. And for all these other people, I'm not trying to compare it, but when you see talented people um, be displaced in any way, even if they're not counting on it as their sole financial means, which is also why it's so frustrating because Vox paid um, their writers dog shit in the first place at a lot of these team websites. And so to not even, you know, continue to to compensate them that or to give an outlet for their writing, uh, I just, I wanted to say a note because it's a, I feel like it sometimes goes unspoken outside of Twitter where it might not be talked about um, because we're all kind of just walking on eggshells. And I've just become more open about the realities of this industry, knowing how fortunate and lucky a talentless hack like myself has been, but also, you know, kind of trying to come to grips with how annoying it is to always either have to be grateful or to be, you know, sort of walking uh, on eggshells or waiting for the next shoe to drop, whether it's for friends of yours at other companies, coworkers you have at your own company, even, you know, your own job. And then we've talked about it a lot on this podcast and uh, the realities of what our situation is right now and how fortunate Grant and I are like, we do this as a, as a passion project 
right now. It can be stressful still, but it's it's just it sucks is my point. So shout out to all those very talented people at Fox Media um, or formerly with Fox Media. Uh, you were dealt a really fucked up hand. It's bullshit. Um, and hopefully, because you all do deserve better, that uh, they all do find better soon. So shout out to them. The last housekeeping note, and if anybody cares, I'm actually doing this while I do my cardio for the day. So if I sound out of breath, I promise that uh, I'm not doing anything, you know, untoward or I'm not in pain or I'm not, I'm not nervous. I'm just doing cardio at the moment and trying to get this in. We recorded this before the Miles Turner extension. So I think we might have mentioned him as a trade target for the Pelicans. Surprise, surprise. Um, the, the hopeless, hilariously hopeless, it's seemingly right now. Pelicans because of how injured um, they've been in just their recent whatever it is like three and 80 stretch it feels like right now so that should be the only potentially outdated information in this um, unless we mentioned Indy's cap space but luckily that Turner extension was done before we get to the central division which will come later this week that'll do it for the the long long ass intro but I make no apologies I just wanted to say some of that stuff um, let's get to the Southwest Division Trade Deadline Primer Survival Guide Thingamajig. Grant and me will be coming at you in milliseconds. With all that out of the way, let's get into this Southwest Division Trade Deadline Primer. Just as a brief refresher, uh, we are trying to make these digestible and, and quick. And also we'll be talking about most likely players to be traded. We're mostly just asking our bigger overarching questions. If you're on YouTube, though, I have thrown the sheet that Grant and I are using to you know just prepare for the trade deadline in general where you can see traded player exceptions if they have it, draft pick commitments all in one spot. Uh, you can also zoom in if it's too small for you to read, but if that's what you're into, head over to YouTube. The Memphis Grizzlies are, oh, we'll also be proposing one trade idea for each team as if the team in question is making the phone call. It doesn't mean it's lopsided, but that's the view that we took it from. The Memphis Grizzlies, they are buyers in the sense that they should be buyers. However, what we know about Memphis is that they're just, you know, the things we're hearing, like they really value what a healthy Danny Green is going to bring. They don't want to move his salary, which is just typical Memphis. And it's fine. They might be good enough to win a title right now. My biggest question for them, though, is do they have like the impetus, um, the desire to actually make a move this season? And I'm not talking about it doesn't need to be a mega move, but like a move where you're giving up picks or prospects in addition to Danny Green and not one of your core guys like Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson Jr. But like, and not even a Zaire Williams, but you're moving to move off of LaRavia or Roddy or Aldama, um, that Golden State first, any of your own first, just to make an upgrade to your rotation, which I think there's room for it. And we've kind of seen it. The half court offense remains a problem when they're not cleaning up their own misses. And so you'd presumably or preferably like a bigger player as that additional creator and to sort of upgrade the, the four minutes when Jaron Jackson juniors at the five or just the three minutes when Jaron Jackson juniors at the four, just to have an option. Who's not, you know, the Bane John Morant. And then like Jaron Jackson jr. Who's the guy in the middle of those three. And so like, there are names that you could throw out. Are you willing to give up the equity for them? And what's the best route to go? Is it to look at a Kyle Kuzma? Is it to look at a Malik Beasley? Does the Steven Adams injury, by the way, change this at all? Because he's going to miss so much time. I don't think it makes it more likely that they're going to go out and get a big and say, oh, let me join the Miles Turner sweepstakes or something. But does it sort of increase the urgency to be like, well, if Jaron Jackson Jr. presumably is going to play more five, someone like Kyle Kuzma has a lot of, a lot of value on the trade market to them now. And again, we can talk. This, that's what they should do, by the way. But like, who is their most likely player to be moved? Yes, it's Danny Green. That's the easy question. But it's like, 
how are you building packages off of that? And I think a lot of it depends on, well, how far in are the Grizzlies willing to go into this season? And I would argue Dylan Brooks is going to be a free agent. You're kind of in year three of obliterating expectations. Welcome to life with expectations where mm-hmm. it's like now I'm not demanding they trade for a star, mostly because that player probably isn't out there. Uh, they would be, by the way, a sneaky fun Fred Van Fleet team. So I just want to, I want to put that into the, into the universe. So like Grant, like what, like, what do you see for this team? What do they need to do? Or do you think that this is, do you think they do something and just please say yes for my own sanity? I think they sort of have to, um, because for all the reasons you stated, and just like we we talk about them and the Pelicans all the time and the Thunder to a lesser extent of just like, they got all these picks, they got all their own, they got incoming ones. Uh, you mentioned the Golden State pick. They have Minnesota's second this year. Um, they have some future seconds from like, Cleveland, all the, just a bunch of, they got a bunch, they got more draft equity than they really know what to do with. And they're at a point where they should be trying to get a guy that's going to be in their eight man group, you know, in the conference finals or whatever it is. So I think they should do something. I personally would be willing to start to look at Zaire Williams as a, as like the centerpiece of a bigger deal, but Danny green to me, like it'd be great if Danny green just was Danny green again, but I, I think he, that's unlikely. He was slipping before the ace, the, the knee injury. I think if you could turn Danny green and like some kind of pick into just get on the phone with the Spurs, Josh Richardson would be fine. I think someone like Doug McDermott that would just run around and shoot 42% from three. And what about you know, Zach, Zach Collins at this point for that Zach Collins would be fine. Especially if, if you're going to need another big in there, if Adams is, you know, not all the way back. I mean, they're in trouble. I think as funny as it sounds to say, if Adams is not healthy, you know, for when the games start to matter. Cause he's the type of guy that, well, we might scheme him off the floor, but just if your offense is going to always depend on offensive rebounds, then you need him. That's just, that's just what it is. And also so, the only yeah. way, not the only way, but one of the best ways for them to open space is for him to pancake people on screen. Right. Yeah. It's just, that's, it's not how everybody operates, but it's working for Memphis. And, you know, suddenly if he's not there, then, so now we're going to score in the half court all like, I just, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I like McDermott for them. I, I just think, it would be too tempting for them to view this season as what, you know, look, we're, we're on pace to win in the mid fifties again. And we're way ahead of that until they hit this little skid at the end of this West road trip. Um, So we can, we can, you know, play it cool. We don't have to start thinking about is desire Williams, a piece of the core is, is, is Danny green is waiting on Danny green, like the prudent decision. I think they should make a move. I just, it wouldn't surprise me based on how they've operated in the past if they don't. And that would, that would be a disappointment. You want to know my trade idea for them? Let's hear it. Uh, I have Memphis getting Kyle Kuzma for Danny Green, David Roddy, and a 2024 first round pick that's lottery protected. And I would be willing to loosen the protections if that's what it takes to get it done from Washington's perspective. Yeah, I think that's totally good from the Grizzlies perspective. And like, presumably that pick is going to be in the mid to high twenties anyway. So who cares? Unprotected. Like it's, you know, if sometimes it looks better if you just leave it totally unprotected, even though, you know, or you strongly suspect you're going to be good enough that that that's just not going to be a valuable first. Could you go like, I don't even want to say just like, does it less favorable of golden state and Memphis? And then does that like do it for Like, I don't even know if that, because golden state is top four protected. 
So yeah. getting that up feels like is that the pick you just include and maybe that gets it done? I, I don't maybe. know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean that has that pick has some upside. You never know what's gonna happen. I mean Draymond's just, a flight risk. The core yeah. is getting older. The Warriors right. think that James Wiseman's the future still, apparently. So <laughs> You know, we tried to trade him. Yeah, I, I like that for sure. I want to let's get to the Pelicans unless you have anything else on the Grizzlies. Uh, no, this is as I thought was going to be one of my favorite teams to talk about. And I, I'm just not looking forward to it anymore. Well, the <laughs> options are there, right? Just what are they going to I don't know what if they're going to pursue any of them. The, the Pelicans are somewhat similar. Um, they're they've got the, the Lakers draft for a couple more years. They've got that sweet 24, 25 pick with they can take the option on. They've got a bunch of Milwaukee first coming in. Um, they're super deep, but that hasn't, I think what we've learned is that all that depth is cool, except if you don't have like two of your three best players in the lineup at all times, it doesn't really matter how and good Zion needs to be reevaluating another two weeks. Just, I, I get it, but it's just like, yeah, kind of sucks. Right. So I think, you know, what are the, they're, they're most likely players to be traded. There's actually a few, I think it's probably, it's probably Devonte Graham, just because if you're going to do anything, if, if you do make a trade, you're going to need some salary ballast and he's making an average of about 12 million over the next this year and the next two Jackson Hayes, I'd throw in there too. Maybe I think you have to move him, right? Like you're not going to pay him in restricted free agency. Yeah. His, his just that his numbers lower and then you're going to have to include more stuff. If you're trying to bring back, you know, a, a moderate level salary, um, Valanciunas is someone I'd look at too, even though he's been super valuable as like a post thread and just a bailout guy, uh, with so many, you know, offensive weapons out. Um, again, like we, I can't, we just can't, we're not going to say miles Turner, but if you're looking for like, it's just, sorry, I know it's, this is like two years old, the, this bit, but you know, Olenek, even PJ Washington, Mo Bamba, Muscala, Zach Collins, just some oh, bigs. Like Reed. I don't know how they get him per se, yeah. but Nas Reed. Yeah. I mean, you, well, they could get whoever they want. Just find the matching salary and include a pick. Like it's done. Well, you know? Just like the Nas Reed's going to be a free agent. So you're not, I, I can't give up a first for him. No. Is, New Orleans, is Minnesota going to take two seconds? And also oddly, Najee Marshall has been really important to what they've been doing. So yeah. it's like, are you giving up Najee Marshall for him? No, I'm not trading him. I think he's going yeah. to be a rotation guy before he got hurt. So yeah, they're, they're a little like, I think they're probably more likely to do something than the Grizzlies just because the picks they have and the, the movable salary options are just, there's just more of them. Um, and I think it's just gotta be some stretch, some shooting, you know, that, that that's assuming everybody's healthy and you're, you're running your full strength offense again around Zion. You're, I just want as much space as I can get. And, and Valanchunas, while he has a great up fake and can make a few, it's just not the same as having a real like quick trigger threat out there. I think I, that can pass too. I, I I would like a big guy that's going to make, you know, a pass or two if, if the defense is kind of bent and collapsing because Zion ruined it. Wow. So you are anti miles Turner. That's good to know. Uh, <laughs> what is the bigger need though? That type of a bigger, can you go with just a wing that's going to sling threes in higher volume? And I know that part of the deflated volume in new Orleans is, I don't want to say by design, but just intrinsic of, well, they get to the rim at will because Zion exists, but I do think they need sort of that like unconscious threat where you could go the, and I actually did in the trade that we'll get to, but I'm curious as to what you think would be the, the bigger priority for them. I still am just fixated on the big guy that can shoot. Um, so, because like, I do believe in, you know, I think once you have Ingram back out there, I think once it, Trey Murphy can always add the, add volume uh, like, 
McCollum's a good there's like there's enough shooting elsewhere. I just am so hung up on God, what would this team look like if there were a big guy dragging, you know, a center out of the way of Zion. So I still am, you know, maybe it's kind of hack at this point, but I still just want a big guy that can shoot. Uh, doing something big feels out of the question for them. And the trade I came up with is the Pelicans get Malik Beasley. The Jazz get Devontae Graham, Herb Jones, and Chicago's 2024 second round pick. And so Herb Jones been banged up a lot this year, has definitely regressed, regressed on offense. And I would even argue like sort of defense as well. I think we've seen a lot of that sort of these sophomore reality checks a little bit for Trey Murphy there too. Uh, still a valuable prospect. But what's interesting about this is Herb Jones is a team option for next season. And then he becomes a restricted free agent. Um, and Devontae Graham has the one guaranteed year of 12.1 plus a $3 million guarantee basically the year after. And so you're looking at one year and let's say f- almost 15 million of Devontae Graham. Is that enough if you're Utah to part with Malik Beasley? And then conversely, if you're the Pelicans, are you willing to give up when everyone thought, that Herb Jones was good enough to be all defense as a rookie. Are you willing to give up on that now to get Malik Beasley who talk about three point volume? Like that's someone who is just going to let him rip. Yeah. He'll get him up. I think so. I like this for the jazz just because I like getting Jones in there. He's the type of like cheap, uh, you know, project, you know, high ceiling kind of devalued. It's a weird combination devalued asset that I'm after if I'm the jazz for the Pels. Like, so you're telling me that my closing lineup might be McCollum Beasley, Ingram Zion and Valanciunas. Like how are we stopping anybody? You know, I mean, do you have to get Daniels out there to put fires out as a rookie all of a sudden? And like, he can only do some. And if, if Nance is out there, I guess that's better than Valanciunas from a switching perspective. I just, I'm just not worried about the Pelicans offense. If everybody's healthy, I, I, I like, so you know, I guess Beasley, you know, we've established that shooting would be cool. So I don't know. I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'd rather just have it from a big guy. And I think Jones, even though he hasn't been the same guy as he was as a rookie, I just, I think he fills a niche that, that the Pelicans might still really need. Like what if he could play like he did at the end of last, towards the end of last year, then he's definitely on the floor to close games for you. Beasley feels like I just don't know where you're going to get your stops if he's out there with those other guys. There doesn't seem to be like a really good trade target for them because it almost feels like they're built to only go balls to the wall. Well, what do you think about Porzingis for them? Like not uh, that that's been rumored around. The oh, table. there's not enough injury problems with Ingram and Zion on your team. Sure. But if like, you know, if we're talking about bigs that can shoot, we haven't really, I mean, he's not talked about at all. And that would be a much bigger swing, especially because you're going to have to pay him. Probably. Oh, what is what is the trade there? It's I'm assuming Valanciunas and Graham, and then stuff. You just start throwing picks at throw picks at the problem, like the. <laughs> lower the body's are like now team, so so I guess they don't care about. I would I would ra- if they're going to go do that, I would just rather trade for Miles Turner at that point. <laughs> well, yeah, but we can't talk about that because it's been talked about too much. We're not allowed to mention Miles Turner, even though. Again, la- only thing we'll say is he's obviously the perfect player to be there. Yeah, so trade for Jalen Smith. You want to talk about that, Pacers, big man. Uh, we can move. I don't expect them to do anything big. I expect them to do something, though. That's where I'm just sort of at with the Pelicans. Yeah, I would agree. The Mavericks are next up. As you hear, my dogs are starting to get antsy and just 
barging into my office right now. They're buyers because they have to be. Uh, I just, I question like what they can buy. They have no notable like inbound draft picks. And then that 2023 pick to New York. It, yes. It will convey this year with top 10 protection. Like that's, if you're a team going to trade for their 2025 first round pick, you know, it's coming, but it just limits what they could offer. And if they wait till this summer, they can make a godfather offer of, oh, it's, you know, we can trade once the league calendar year resets, um, four picks and three swaps, whatever it is, or three picks. And like, they can go the godfather offer route. I think 24, 26, 28, and 30, and then swaps in the alternating years. So four picks and three swaps. Do you wait for that? And also at that point, you've then allowed another year to trickle off the deals of Davis Bertans. Tim Hardaway Jr., Spencer Dinwiddie, who I assume you keep at that point, he becomes an expiring contract, so there's going to be a little bit more value there to him, um, although you could move him easily now. At the same time, it's like, well, you have Christian Wood, or are you going to extend him? Uh, I, I don't know what they're capable of. We know what they need, and it's actually a bunch of stuff. We talk a lot about what they lost in Jalen Brunson, and now you just have Dinwiddie. Christian Wood being hurt complicates that. But, like, the offense has been largely fine. They still need, like, the shot creation. They need defensive depth, too. Like, Jason Kidd is throwing not even shade, just insults. They're like, yeah, if you want to keep this core together, somebody's going to have to play defense. And so it's how do you go about straddling the line of – and that's their trade deadline aim. Is I, I think we could ask is – that is a question. Are they willing to give up a first-round pick? That's a question. But how do they straddle the line of not compromising other – future really good trade offers that they can't make now while also improving the roster because you have Luka Doncic and you're obligated to. And the final thing I'll just say on that is I know people, I'm I'm not defending the Mavericks here. I know people say, no, you have Luka, just do it. Like there's something when you don't even have a blue chip prospect on this roster anymore. And I'm not like the Mavericks got here by themselves. Like they mishandled the Jalen Brunson situation. So this is on them. There's an opportunity cost to what you need to include in first round equity. Like all of a sudden the amount of first round equity you can include has to go up and it becomes more important. That's why you want to wait for your obligations to reset. And that's really just the challenge at hand here. Oh, and the real final thing I'll say is, and I don't even, I can't even remember the fake trade. I came up with them. That's how many of these that we've done, but people who think that they could just trade Tim Hardaway jr. And be fine. Like, yeah, he's a roller coaster, but his, his, like outside shooting and co- like the way he compliments Luca and even Spencer Dinwiddie, like that's really important to how the Mavericks operate. And when you have, yeah, Reggie Bullock. Okay. Uh, it's January 1st. Now he can hit threes. Like that's apparently the rule. Right. Um, that's great. But like Tim Hardaway jr. Provides more sort of like certitude when it comes to knocking down shots than, than he does. Yeah. So they, you alluded to this, the Mavericks are the ultimate. They obviously, should make a trade in service of their in prime superstar. That's good enough with like just an average supporting cast to make a conference finals, but it's just the timing is not right. Like this just isn't, this is not the time to do it Uh, as tempting as that is. And as shitty as it feels to say, like, just wait another year, Luca, you know, that we get, we'll, we'll get it all sorted out. Trust us. We want, you you have like 48% usage. Yeah. Right. Just keep running yourself into the ground so we can, you know, win whatever it's going to be 44 games, 48 games. Um, It's a, it's a bummer. Like it, it's not just the, the Brunson thing. It's the fact that like, there's now, I think a good chance that, they just maybe won't keep Christian Wood beyond this year, or they will at a number that they, they just have the mass have a way of like getting themselves into situations where 
like there just aren't a lot of great options. And, <laughs> and it's like they're it's like their own fault, because if they had just not to belabor the Brunson thing, but if they had just gotten it done earlier, they could have had him for like half the money or if they just paid whatever they could, they still could have him for more and he'd still be worth it. Just, you know, so it's, it's not the time to do it. I think because you have Doncic, your next move does need to be here's four firsts and whatever for a clear second star. I think you probably have to do that because you're not going to be in a position to draft anybody that's going to occupy that spot. Uh, so um, I, I guess like, they're not going to go the other way, but if they did suddenly, you know, Bullock would be someone you could trade. You, you could see if anybody like Finney Smith, I'm keeping no matter what, but basically everybody else I'd look at moving just to, you know, flexibility picks, whatever. We take our little gap year here. They're not going to do that because, because Luke is there, but it, doesn't that in a vacuum seem like the more sense? Cause they're not, there's not a trade out there that puts them in the contender class. I don't think so. Go the other way for a year. If you're going to lose, you might as well really lose if you can, and just just kind of re you know replenish the the war chest a little bit. The thing I kind of thought about just because cap space isn't important to them is are they the team that can take on Gordon Hayward? And it's just like I don't even know if you're Charlotte and it's Dwight Powell and Davis Bertans for Gordon Hayward. You have two years of Davis Bertans left. It's just that you've halved Gordon Hayward's salary. Is that mm -hmm. more palatable? than Gordon Hayward for another year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like, could you what... do that deal without giving Charlotte a first round pick realistically and them being about it? So you're just saying we're giving you our two salaries. We don't want for the one bigger one that well, you Powell is expiring. So it's like, it's just that Davis, it's sort of what the Mavs did with Christoph Porzingis when they broke him up yeah. into Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans last year is the commitments. When you look at Bertans, it spanned longer, but they were in theory, more snackable. Yeah, maybe. I just don't know. That's tough. I guess I could see something like that. Just, just so you're clearing space from Dallas's perspective sooner, basically. No, I think that Gordon Hayward is just better than those players. It's that if you're willing to truncate the commitment and then all of a sudden, if you were planning on trading for a star anyway, his huge salary, it might have value to one team that just look, who's ever making the trade with Dallas is not doing so for the players they're sending back anyway. So there might be value to them. And, Oh, well, we didn't have to take back three guys. We only had to take back the one. Yeah. And that's attached to a bunch of picks. And so I just think for this season, if Gordon Hayward gets and stays healthy, there's definitely a higher ceiling on what he brings to your team than Davis Bertans or Dwight Powell at this point. Yeah. yeah I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to know how you'd feel about, that in the moment because of Hayward's health situation, like that might feel like going the other way just because, well, we're taking back this giant dead salary. That's not going to help us. And we gave away like one and a half rotation players. So I don't know. <laughs> Is it, did you even give away that many one rotation? Well, I mean, Powell freaking starts for them. So, I mean, he has started a lot. So, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. The Mavericks aren't going to do anything. They, they should, they well, should take, yeah. I think the takeaway here is that Dallas should tank, right? <laughs> uh, I do have a trade idea for them, though. Okay. So oh, yeah. the, Ma the Mavericks received D'Angelo Russell. The Wolves received Tim Hardaway Jr., Dwight Powell, and a 2027 second-round pick. So if I'm Dallas, I'm keeping Russell. I'm going to re-sign him. No, I don't think. What did you give up that you're worried about missing out on? I don't know. Hardaway, I guess. <laughs> I mean, but that's like – I. 
I think the idea would be, okay, we keep Russell. And then when you go make your big trade, can you focus it on sort of the front court defense oriented player? Um, it changes up. I think what you need. And also Spencer Dimity comes off the books after next year. Like how much does he cost or how does he age? So uh, there's also just the, I don't know, like does Russell want to play off of someone like Doncic and their minutes together, but he would certainly be uh, like, that's a higher end swing. Yeah, I think I, right. Yeah. The upside's higher for sure. I, I've run into the same problem. We've talked about Russell before is like, I just, if he's going to be like a 32, $34 million guy, like starting salary going forward, I'm so terrified by that number. And just, just for, for the player that he is. Um, but I guess if you're Dallas, there is value again in that big salary slot, you know, like, I think, I think that's, that's not nothing. And so if he could do a credible Brunson impression and be movable potentially with all those picks down the road, I think that is there, that, that makes some sense for Dallas. I'd probably do that. Would you consider it if you're Minnesota just based off Hardaway shooting and then you have his, his salary for, what does he have two more years left after this at 17, nine and 16, two. And so you've now broken up, you know, you folded D'Angelo Russell into a player who costs right now, let's say close to half or 60%. Um, and he also look again, he beefs up your shooting. I don't know how you feel about your defensive in- infrastructure, but I think that he's probably someone who compliments Rudy Gobert a little bit better than D'Lo at this point. And Powell, you're just getting because the money works. You don't want yeah. Thomas Bertans on this team, I'm assuming. And maybe, I would do it a hundred percent if Dallas said, here's Reggie Bullock. I just don't know if Dallas yeah. could do Bullock and THJ for d Yeah. I think I'd like it a little better from the Wolves perspective. If I thought Anthony Edwards was ready to just be on the ball a hundred percent of the time, he's probably ready. And you have Kyle Anderson. That's what this was kind of born from for me. Too. Yeah. Yeah. You it's possible. Um, it's possible. He's ready. He's looked, I mean, he's been really good lately, um, but I don't know. I mean, well, the Russell thing is so complicated just because you t- I, I've gone back and forth on I like having the salary slot, but I also don't want to pay him money. So I'm just keeping him on this number, assuming someone else will want him at that number or it's, it, it, it's tough. I, I think that's OK. I guess I guess as long as it doesn't preclude Dallas from going out and getting somebody that's way better than Russell at some point in the very near future, then I'm fine with that. Would you do Bullock and THJ if you're them? Or is that just like, what does our defense look like after this? Yeah, I think that's probably, uh, yeah, too, Finney Smith is doing too much of a lift there. If, if he's the only guy left, that's that's tough. You could just, you would have to play him and when Kleba's healthy, 48 minutes a game and just pray. Yeah. This next team should be, they're not uninteresting, but they just, they're very simple. Like their pick commitments, like there are a lot of splashy ones, but they are your team. So do you want to take us through them? Yeah, I mean, so... This is the San Antonio Spurs, ladies and gentlemen. They have cap space. They have a handful of guys we've mentioned 50 times as trade candidates. They uh, are not trying to win basketball games. Uh, so to me, the question for them is just what what can we get from the combination of Jakob Pertl, Josh Richardson, and Doug McDermott? And I think my goal, out of all three of those guys, can I get back two firsts? somehow like two good firsts between those three guys and whatever the salaries coming back with it are, that'll change it. Cause maybe you get more picks if you're taking on terrible money, which the Spurs can do. Um, I don't want to get out of this with less than that, with fewer than that. Um, so, you know, we can talk about those guys individually to me. I think Richardson is probably the most likely to be traded because we've seen, we've heard talk of, you know, there's interest in the Spurs keeping Pirtle. They've had a like four for $58 million 
extension offer on the table forever that he's not taking because he thinks he can get 20 a year. I would not pay hurdle 20 a year, but the Spurs have the option of doing that. Uh, then some other teams might, I don't know. Um, he's, you know, he's not meaningfully better than like your, or at all than someone like, you know, Nick Claxton or Brooke Lopez and, you know, Kevon Looney makes what, seven or something like there's just, you don't pay 20 million, even in a cap environment that's going up for someone that's just like a good center. I, I you know, I, I don't see it. Um, so anyway, Richardson seems to be the hottest commodity. And I just, if I can get two firsts for, you know, some combination of those guys, great. But because of their flexibility, because of their cap space, because of all their options, because they don't care if they win, I'm on the phone if I'm the Spurs with just like it's the Utah plan. Like I want to talk to every team that has a recent draft pick that, you know, either hasn't hit or has disappointed. Like, so, you know, Scotty Barnes not going to happen, but I'm calling Toronto just like, what do we got to do? Ananobi is a little different. Wiseman Moody, Patrick Williams in Chicago, Obi Toppin for the Knicks, like Jalen Suggs. Ooh, sure. Obi. We'll take a shot on Jalen Suggs. Let's have him. Like we'll give you Jordan you know, Poole. Jordan, yeah, Jordan <laughs> Poole. Poison pill. That will swallow that poison pill. Zaire Williams, Jalen Johnson. Like there's just anybody that's cam reddish. Let's just give me all the guys that we can take a crack on with our player development system and see if we get out of them, you know, what their teams hoped for, but, but couldn't. Um, so Richardson's my most likely guy to move. I think they should move McDermott, Richardson, and Pirtle. And I just, you know, you give give back whatever whatever package of bad money picks and you know draft second draft flyers I can get. That that's what I'm after. I will say that's the only way I see them getting multiple firsts for Pirtle or a single first for McDermott and Richardson. Maybe if you stack them together or yeah. Zach Collins is involved, is if they take back bad money. Um, but speaking on sort of taking some some flyer swings. Uh, my trade idea is the Cavs get Isaac Okoro and Dylan Windler for Josh Richardson. And Isaac Okoro has been playing really well of late. It's that time of the season where he's been hitting his threes. Um, but do you trust him to hit threes in the playoffs? Do you need what he's bringing you defensively in the playoffs? Maybe because you play with two small guards. I will say it's not. I don't think this is a non-decision for Cleveland. But you have Richardson, who I think is maybe a more bankable player. If I'm San Antonio, I might even consider like throwing one of the you know second-round picks that I have in the, in the bank towards this um for me not to speak on your behalf but this was an easier decision for the for the uh spurs than it was for the Cavs, which is the whole point of how these trades are proposed but curious your thoughts yeah no i i think ideally if i'm cleveland i really want isaac okoro to solve my small forward problem because that's kind of what we drafted him to do um but if i'm the spurs i really want a piece of i want okoro because he is trending up because he is someone that like just might might eventually be what the Cavs need him to be just not quite yet. And what matters is now, because we have a contender now. So Richardson could plausibly be an upgrade. I, I love it for the Spurs. And from the Cavs I, perspective, I totally see the justification just because I think Okoro is like 17 of his last 31. I was just work from deep. I was just working on something involving him. I mean, if he's going to do that, then suddenly, suddenly he's like one of but those. We've, seen, we've like seen it before is my thing. Yeah. We've seen flashes Every everything you hear from Cleveland is he works incredibly hard and everybody really likes him. That's like a lot of people will say, who cares? What matters is a three point percentage. Um, but I, so if I'm the Spurs, I want every, all the shares of a that I can get and guys like that, that are just, they haven't quite worked out, but it's not like the book's not shut yet. You know what I mean? 
And the alternative is kind of just like, and I'm not saying this wouldn't be possible, but you would have to do, unless they want Karras as the value, but you could do Jetty Osman and Dylan Windler and then seconds. Like you're getting multiple seconds for Josh Richardson. And maybe that's plausible. Maybe this person willing mm-hmm. to do something like that. Yeah. But I'm trying to get a Coro from them to be yep. clear. Our final team of the Southwest division, the Houston Rockets, they are definitively sellers, but they also are kind of in this weird spot where they need a consolidation trade uh, just because they have so many just guys on the roster. And they're they're not all good, but a lot of them are, are intriguing. Uh, they don't all fit together, but some of them might. Some of them warrant bigger roles. Some of them warrant, warrant smaller roles. I think you look at them and you can say, well, when looking at the consolidation trade, we know that Tari Eason, Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. is a poison pill. And then Alfred Shangun and Jabari Smith, those guys aren't going anywhere. Like you just get into the names. Eric Gordon should be traded. And then you have Josh Christopher was losing minutes to Dacian Knicks at one point. You have Garrison Matthews. Usman Garuba still barely plays. Does KJ Martin still want to be there? He only has a year left. Are you going to pay him? Jay Sean Tate is even just like a guy where it's, oh, I've seen the reports that Houston considers him part of their core, but he's not like, is he, is he part of their core? Especially now that you have the emergence of Eason. Ty right. Ty Washington's not playing. Can you open up minutes for him? They just need like to open up the runway for some of these guys. And the best way to do that, at least somewhat, is definitely to trade Eric Gordon, but to then make some kind of other tough calls. What's good is I don't think they have a player that's impossible. Like no player is impossible to move, but like you look at, like we came off the Spurs. They have all easy players to move, but there's not even someone on this team where it's like, oh, Doug McDermott has 13.5 million next season. Do I want to take that on? You can just move anybody. Uh, I just don't know who it's going to be. I think Eric Gordon's their most likely player to um, to be dealt. And I don't think that like, maybe that's arguable because the size of his salary, but who would it be after him? You don't necessarily know the route that they're going to take. So that's what I'm watching for is, will they actually move Eric Gordon at long last? And are they going to make some sort of a consolidation move. I mean, they have to trade Gordon. They, like he doesn't yeah, even, and that, even now that's it's like 2020. <laughs> right. But now he's saying like the, the quote the other day of, of like, there's been no growth or there's been no progress or something that he's like, at some point the adults in the room, like when the adult gets cranky because he's been there for too long around all these kids, like that's not, that's not a good thing anymore. So like the, I mean, I think, things kind of smell rotten in Houston from like a play style perspective, like in a coaching perspective and just John wall said some stuff. Like I think with, John wall, know, a lot of that was a little revisionist. John wall, a lot of revisionist history, history. Wall but I don't think he's wrong based on how the rockets are playing that like, there's not a whole ton of accountability or like real professional grooming happening there. So Gordon's got to get out of there for him and for the team. Um, but then it's like, just so we're, we're going to, what are we going to talk about now? Like Milwaukee, we're going to talk about Cleveland. We're going to talk about Memphis. We're going to talk about Miami. Just, you know, I don't know. His salary is not that easy to match. Like it's kind of big. You can't just probably take it back or money. Back. That's not great. Is the, yeah. like it, Miami's a perfect, I think he'd be great there, but like, are you, what, how much do you need to take back Duncan Robinson? I like may, the heat yeah. will definitely give you this year's first round pick, but is that enough? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I, he's, he's clearly the most likely to move after that. Like, I mean, I Garrison Matthews right? should have appeal just cause he can shoot it. And then Tate, I can defend and play hard. And maybe you don't need two of those guys and you have Eason, like you said. So, but other than, other than Gordon, like if, if the Rockets emerge from this trade deadline and Gordon is still on the roster, it almost doesn't matter what else they do. Like they will have just failed. I think because it's just, it's way past time. Don't worry. I can't with a trade where he'll no longer be on their roster. 
Perfect. Are, are you ready? Yes. The, the Rockets receive Grayson Allen, Dario Saric, Indiana's 2025 second. That comes from Milwaukee. Phoenix's 2026 second. Milwaukee's 2027 second. Milwaukee's 2028 second. And Milwaukee's 2029 second. So it's Grayson Allen, Dario Saric, and five first-round picks, all of which convey after 2024. The Suns okay. get Eric Gordon. The Bucks get Jay Crowder. So the Bucks are giving up Grayson Allen and four first-rounders for Jay Crowder. The Suns four are seconds, giving up... Four seconds, four seconds. Four seconds. Yeah, no, no, four firsts. Because that's a little um, too much for Jay Crowder. I don't know what you think. I don't think Jay Crowder... <laughs> I think, like, maybe three. Four is too many for Jay Crowder. Um, and the Suns are giving up Dario Saric, the inactively employed Jay Crowder, and a second-round pick for Eric Gordon. I mean, it works for me. It works for me. <laughs> that's just a lot of seconds. Call in, Raphael Stone, please. <laughs> yeah, I think... I think Allen, yeah, why not, the right? Because I don't know if you're getting another a first year for is just. What'd you say? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said I don't think you're getting a first for Gordon. It just I, I'm not. No, I, it, the team that might be willing to give it up, like let's use Milwaukee's. Let's say they had a first round pick, but if you're a team that's giving up a first round pick, you view you for Eric Gordon, you view him as the finishing piece. In which case, mm-hmm. you might actually have to pay him twenty million next year if you win the title. I would say, humbly. Who, who the fuck cares? You want a title, pay Eric Gordon. But teams don't think that way. And so, no. like, Milwaukee has to factor that. Like, they might even think, well, why are we giving up four seconds for this guy? We have to pay him $20 million maybe next season. I would, like, I would do it. But they're not getting Eric Gordon in this scenario, clearly. But, like, Phoenix, that has to be part of, of their calculus. And so, like, you don't want to see Fred Van Vliet in Phoenix. This is you get to keep Aiton, you give up no first, and then you get, like, another small player that you're still going to play with Paul and uh, Booker in the playoffs. Yeah. Who can guard up? I mean, Gordon can guard a two and a three. Van Vliet is just like a one position and he's guy. He's going to give you, even now, is going to give you more rim pressure than Van Vliet. Yes, right. And, and yeah, I think there's also some potential for like the version of Eric Gordon we're seeing right now is the one that's just like, get me the fuck out of here. You know, I can be 20% better immediately just because I'm playing for a different team than the Rockets. Like that's that's totally, you know, we've seen it before. That's just the type of thing that, so, you know, he's not getting a first because I don't think anybody believes that the best version of Eric Gordon is worth that with all the financial stuff you've outlined. But I think you could expect something better than what he's been for sure. This was fun. I think we killed it. Are you ready to to take us out? Yes, uh, everybody. Thank you again for listening as always. And as we request at the top and we do at the bottom, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars on iTunes. Uh, vote us up on YouTube um, and get these uh, rogue contingents of uh, Homer fans. Uh, put them in their place. Follow us on socials at Hardwood Knox on Twitter and TikTok at Hardwood underscore Knox on uh, Instagram. Uh, links for all kinds of stuff are in the description of this video if you're watching. Uh, and if you're listening again, thank you. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. And as always, we leave with... Uh, just a big shout out to Frank Nilakina, who again was unmentioned in this episode, and an apology to Jared Allen.